Welcome back to a new year, new episode of Nate's Night at the Movie podcast. Today, we are discussing Spy Kids 2, The Island of Lost Dreams. This came out in 2002, so one year after the first one. And I decided I want to do the main trilogy. So I will be taking a break from the trilogy and coming back to the third one later on, but I do plan on hitting all three. And why not? Because they're fun, they're nostalgic for me, and probably a lot of you as well. Once again, we have the Cortez family back again with some new characters this time. We have Gertie Giggles, played by Emily Osment, early in her acting career. We have Steve Buscemi, playing Romero. Taylor Momsen, playing the president's daughter. And Matt O'Leary, playing Gary Giggles. So, we have some new additions that I think do add a decent amount to this film. So let's talk about it. We open up on a theme park, which is a reminder that like this film, it takes classic locations that you would find kids. You know, this film has a tree house. It has a theme park. Like kids would be in these places normally, and it just makes it more epic by adding a spy twist to it. The president's daughter is visiting this amusement park She's seeing all the rides, and these rides are kind of bonkers. Like, they would never exist in reality. They'd be way too dangerous. And she lands on wanting to ride this ride called the Juggler, which is where the riders literally get into these pods, and they're lifted, like, hundreds of feet into the air, and then they're tossed around by this machine, which, like... It looks wild and obviously catches all the pods, but it would never be safe at all. And while she is getting ready to get on this ride, she sneaks the key that operates the ride. So she's given this tour of this park by the park owner and she doesn't she's able to sneak the key past him to get on the ride. So I was a theme park ride operator when I was 16 for one summer. And this is a scenario that could never actually happen for a couple reasons. So one being the guests apparently have easy access to the control board. Um, I suppose in some situations someone could approach that area if they wanted to, but it's highly unlikely. And on top of that, when you take the key out, the ride cannot start. So when she's able to get on the ride and it lifts them into the air, that is not something that should be able to happen. But we're just going to ignore that suspension of disbelief. And she has a reason for stealing this key. Her dad is kind of ignoring her and she wants to get his attention in a big way. So the ride lifts her high into the air and it stops because there's no key. And she climbs out of the pod, which again, another situation that would not happen because when rides stop, things tend to lock in place. They don't just like, you can't just like climb out. But again, ignore that. And she climbs up onto like this high platform that's like in the main portion of the ride. And the Secret Service don't feel they're capable of handling the situation, so they call in the spy kids. Carmen and Junie um, apparently are already at this park, and they're eating cotton candy and stuff. Like They're already present. And they have these 
gadgets that are kind of make them like Spider-Man where they're able to climb up the side of the ride. But Secret Service is a little worried that they're not going to be capable of handling the situation. So they call in two additional spy kids, which are Gary and Gertie Giggles. And we find out after the first movie, after the success of the first two spy kids, quote unquote, we have a whole agency now of spy kids. And basically the Cortez kids and the Giggles kids are in competition with each other for most of this film. Now, for some reason, while the four agent kids are trying to rescue Taylor Momsen, one of the Secret Service agents decides to turn on the ride for some reason, which again, would not should not be able to operate, but it does. And it just adds to the peril. Um, who knows why he made that choice? Doesn't quite make sense, but it does make the scene a little bit more exciting. So Taylor explains her situation to Junie, and Junie has like a soft spot for Taylor, maybe a little bit of a romantic thing with her going on. And basically what happens is Carmen and Gertie shut down the ride, and Junie rescues Taylor Momsen, and she reveals that she has stolen some sort of gadget from her dad's office. And Gary and Junie are kind of arguing and fighting, so Gary takes the gadget and takes that with him and Junie takes Taylor and it is seen as more impressive for him to rescue the gadget than to save the president's daughter. So that is one situation done. And once again, we kind of get the opener to the first movie where we have the Latin spy music and we zoom in on the Cortez household. Now, throughout this film, it's more noticeable some of the ways that this is made intentionally accessible to kids where, you know, mom and dad Cortez have been agents for decades. They have tons of skills, tons of knowledge, and for some reason, Carmen and Junie have knowledge and capabilities that their parents don't possess. So it just kind of makes their parents look dumb, and their parents are definitely pulled back more in this movie like i'd say there are more main characters in the first movie and they're definitely more supporting in this movie carmen demonstrates to her mom her abilities to hack things and carmen is apparently able to hack the pentagon but she's not going to do anything with that she's just demonstrating her capabilities meanwhile Junie is playing with his robot spider named ralph and his robot spider is like tying his tie this family is getting ready to go to a spy gala that night, they arrive at the gala, and they are preparing for the fact that Antonio Banderas is potentially going to become the director of the OSS, the spy organization. While at the gala, it is revealed that Carmen and Gary kind of have this little bit of a flirt thing going on. Junie is not a fan. He doesn't like Gary at all. And Dad Cortez is not a big fan of it either. And Gary giggles is like, hey, can I dance with Carmen? And he's like... I know all these dance styles and he lists like a ton of ballroom styles. And my question is, do they train spies in all ballroom styles? Is that like a, an important skill? Because in a lot of spy movies, they do have those scenes where it's like a big ball or gala like this where everyone's dancing and who knows, maybe it is something required, but eventually Antonio Banderas is like, you can dance with Carmen, it's fine. 
So while Carmen and Gary go off to dance, Junie starts to sense that something is off here. He notices Taylor is dancing off to the side. And because she got in trouble with her dad, she is completely surrounded by Secret Service who are kind of dancing around her. So you can barely see her. And this is kind of reminiscent of The Sweet Life of Zack and Cody where London Tipton, you don't see her dad for the longest time. He's always like completely surrounded by agents. And that's kind of the situation here where she's in trouble. And Junie, now another weird thing, the levels of classified information and power that these spy kids hold is interesting just because Junie is able to command the president of certain things and command Secret Service in this case to separate so that way he can dance with Taylor Momsen. And it's just just crazy. Like they not only like dumb down the parents, but they're like, okay, these spy kids are so intelligent and powerful that they can command anyone in the world to do anything and they have to listen to them. And I didn't even notice that till now being an adult watching this movie back. Junie asks Taylor Momsen to dance and she's like, well, I only dance ballet, and and Junie's like, well, fun fact, I only dance ballet too. So they do a little ballet dance together. He does a cartwheel in the middle, not ballet. I took ballet for a f- several years, so I can say you would never expect to see a cartwheel in the middle. Most of it, though, is pretty, like, pretty related to what you might see like in a normal ballet duet. It comes time for dinner. The president is giving a speech. He's reading off a teleprompter. And he's about to announce that Antonio Banderas is going to be the director of the OSS. But then the teleprompter like kind of like stops and shorts out. And then it shows that Mr. Giggles is going to be the director. So something wrong is going on. Clearly it was hacked or something. And Dad Giggles wastes no time. He is a big fan of nepotism. He promotes his two kids to like the highest level of spy kid and gives them the top mission. The whole Cortez family is not only disappointed by the situation, but they all start to realize something wrong is going on. But they kind of brush it off, and Mr. Giggles gets everyone to give a toast to Spy Kids, and since it's champagne, none of the kids do it, and when all the adults drink it, they all fall asleep because of some sort of sleep drug thing that's put in their drinks. So the wait staff is working for some sort of unknown bad guy, and they are there to steal this gadget that is only a prototype, but will hopefully help them to figure out the actual item that exists somewhere else. So for some reason, you would think that they would do something to make the kids pass out to make their job way easier, but they don't. So they have to fight the spy kids. In the middle of it, Junie and Gary kind of start fighting over the gadget that they're trying to steal, which kind of results in the waitstaff stealing the gadget. And during this fight, we get to see all kinds of displays of like common Spy Kids items that like a lot of the Spy Kids use. And just like, it is kind of funny. They use a lot of action sounds. Like when someone punches, it sounds more powerful than what you're seeing on the screen. Just to make it more action-y. They have... Gertie Giggles can fly with her propeller pigtails. And throughout this whole thing, we just see Cortez versus Giggles drama. 
and ultimately the bad guys get away with the gadget. Now the parents come to, it is revealed what happened, and for some reason everyone blames Junie, even though like other spy kids had ample opportunity to get a hold of that gadget for, before it was stolen. For some reason, everyone decides to cross their arms. So, like, literally everyone is crossing their arms and looking at Junie. I don't know. Seems pretty awful to blame a kid for something like that, especially when there's a lot of other people at fault here. So, Junie is fired from the OSS, and he's just going to go home and accept it and go back to watching Floop on the TV and eating what looks like some sort of really soggy noodles i don't know what it is or why he's like eating it for breakfast but it looked gross carmen is not ready to let Junie kind of give up so she convinces him to go into their treehouse which is like home base it's kind of like the codename kids next door treehouse in a way just not as grandiose carmen is able to hack the oss and reinstate Junie. they are able to use Junie's beetle ralph to spy on the giggles kids and they find out what their mission is and decide hey we need to get on that mission so carmen is able to reassign the giggles kids to a random location and they plan on stealing their mission machete arrives and he has all kinds of new gadgets that he's been designing now for some reason he says they're new but literally like a scene or two later like Gary and Gertie talk about how everyone has those. So I don't know how new they're supposed to be. Maybe they're just mocking them. But Gary and Gertie have higher caliber gadgets than Carmen and Junie do. So Carmen and Junie are able to use one of the spy submarines again to take off toward the island where the gadget is supposedly located. Gary and Gertie end up going to like some sort of spot in the Sahara Desert. And they hop out and they're like, where are we? And for some reason, they fall on this humongous pile of camel poop, which, again, why would all that be there? And they blame the Cortez kids because, I mean, granted, the Cortez kids sent them there, but the Cortezes are not responsible for the poop pile that is in existence. And it is so gross because Gary literally has some in his mouth and we're going to see throughout most of this film, like they're not going to completely clean it off. Like you think instantly gross, clean off that stuff. Um, they're not that grossed out by it. They're just going to let that fuel their hate fire for the Cortez family. Meanwhile, while the Cortez kids are traveling, they call Minion, who was the main bad guy in the first film, who is now apparently a good guy, like he's chilling on Floop's show. And he basically points them to the fact that Mr. Giggles is behind the waitstaff that stole the gadget. So they are determined to put a stop to all of this when their submarine loses power. They have to use these like inflatable suits that are kind of like life rafts up inflate and float them to the top of the water. And it looks like they're giant like cheeseburgers kind of. And I forgot, completely forgot. So they can't travel anywhere. So they're kind of out floating in the middle of the water. They can see the island, but they can't get to it. And these giant sea monsters, which I forgot were there, come out of the water and try to take a bite out of their suits. And because it punctures the suits, it kind of like launches them toward the island. Meanwhile, back at OSS headquarters, Dad and Mom Cortez realize that their kids is 
went on this mission that they weren't supposed to be on and their ship crashed or something went wrong. So they're on their way to rescue their kids. When we meet Mom Cortez's parents who want to go along to help rescue their grandkids, but Antonio Banderas and Carla are kind of like, no, you don't have to do this. We're capable of handling it. So they brush them off and go on this mission to rescue their kids. Carmen and Junior are starting to explore this island and they quickly realize none of their gadgets work. Everything is completely dead except for stuff that runs on things other than electricity. So they start to explore the island and try to locate the gadget they came there for. And as they're kind of exploring, the Giggles kids arrive. And they arrive in very much the same fashion where their underwater submarine shuts off. They float to the top of the same flotations and the sea monsters go to take a bite out of them. But when they smell the crap on them, which would have washed off in the water for the most part, they get so grossed out that they don't bite into it. I think they poke it or something instead. But it sends them to the beach, just like Carmen and Junie. I kind of wish that... I mean, I get the joke that it should be the same situation, because, but because they smell like camel poo, that it doesn't happen the same way. But I wish it was a little more, a little more inventive, a little bit more creative there. So Carmen and Junie have discovered that there's kind of like these weird creatures on the island and there's a volcano and they accidentally fall into this volcano and they fall for an incredibly long time. They fall for several hours when they realize that they are in some sort of lair and Steve Buscemi is there and he tells them that their falling was all an illusion. They actually only fell for a little bit and he's just trying to figure out the situation that they were in. Now, Steve Buscemi is a scientist who has created all the creatures that are running around the island. His intention was to kind of make like an ant farm that kids could have at home, except for a zoo with real animals, just miniature versions that are living and breathing. But as he was experimenting, he started to mix the vials and stuff and experiment. And he created these like half creatures that are like a spider monkey, which is half spider, half monkey, or a catfish, which is literally half cat, half fish. So the Cortez kids, like, they might think he's a mad scientist, but he assures them that he's not, like, strange or whatever. And he shows them that he has this model of the island. So he can release his miniature versions onto the model, and they will mimic the location that those creatures actually are on the island. And this is when the kids realize that Gary and Gertie are also there. So they have to kind of beat those kids to this device. Otherwise, they don't know what will happen since Mr. Giggles seems to be the bad guy behind it. So mom and dad Cortez are starting to look for their kids and they can locate them because Antonio has installed these non-electrical trackers in his kids' teeth. And they're going to pursue them. But it's not going to be super helpful in the long run because the kids are going to remember it conveniently as the parents are coming to them. So the kids, Carmen and Junie, are going to remove the trackers and because they aren't sure whether or not this might be something that Mr. G Giggles wants. He wants to destroy the whole family. It might be a trap. So they don't want their parents there. So they crush their trackers. But lucky for Antonio and Carla... Carla's parents arrive and they reveal that 
Grandpa also has a tracker on Junie through a necklace that he gave him for his birthday. So even though they can't track Carmen and Junie through the teeth trackers anymore, they still have a necklace that they can track. So the Cortez kids end up falling through another thing. Like you'd think they'd have, they'd be more careful. Like they fell through a volcano already. They fall through this, well, they jump off a cliff kind of, and they end up in this pool that leads to like an underground city of gold that you might see in like National Treasure or like some other adventure movie. And they realize when they're there, they can only communicate telepathically. So they can hear each other's thoughts, but when they speak, nothing comes out. So they're going to explore and look for this device. Um, They're following this map that Steve Buscemi gave them that he didn't want to go with them because he doesn't think it's safe. While they're there, Carmen warns Junie not to touch anything. He takes this jewelry that is apparently cursed and awakes these CGI skeletons. These skeletons go after Carmen. They try to kill her. And the CGI on this, these skeletons are not good. Like, I think it would be done way better today. But for the time, I guess it was okay. And it's very easily solved by Junie giving back the jewelry that he stole to the skeletons and they leave them alone, but not before Carmen is taken away by a flying pig. A flying pig drops Carmen off in its nest where Gertie is also apparently trapped. And it seems like they're like way too high to jump down, but like they quickly go back on that because like in a little bit, both girls are going to jump out of the nest to escape. So it's like, I don't know why they don't do that right away, but this gives them a chance to bond and discuss making good choices. So Carmen convinces Gertie that, you know, if your dad really is the bad guy, you're going to have to decide what the right choice is to make, even if it is going against your dad. While she's doing this, Junie finds this pyramid where we had seen that the device was originally taken and Judy runs into a, the spider monkey and he shares his snack with him. So the spider monkey is now his friend. And the spider monkey, thankfully, he befriended the spider monkey because Gary arrives riding on a lizard dinosaur thing that trying to kill Junie because this whole time it's not enough for him to just like be better than Junie. He wants to crush this guy. So their char- their creatures fight each other. Junie kind of looks like he's down for the count when Carmen shows up because she had jumped out of the nest. Gary is kind of like asking Gertie for her help. And she's just like, hey, you got yourself into this mess. You deal with it. Ultimately, the Cortezes went out. Junie and Carmen have reached the top of this pyramid. They find the device. They follow the instructions from Steve Buscemi to retrieve it. And that's when the Giggles family shows up having captured Steve Buscemi and demanding that they give the device to them. And in the midst of this, Junie kind of like panics and flips a switch she's not supposed to. And everyone's like, what are you doing? Why would you do that? This is going to shut down the whole world. Apparently it's that powerful. Like it's a cloaking device for this island that controls the electromagnetic field, I guess you would say. Electricity around the island. But if he flips the wrong switch, it'll destroy the whole world. Sure. And... They're able to fix it. Carmen takes the device. Instead of giving it to Mr. Giggles, though, she tosses it to the flying pig. Now, Gertie and Carmen both know where it's going to drop this in its nest. So the Giggles family starts making their way toward the nest, and Carmen and Junie and Steve Buscemi start making their own way. 
Now, Carmen and Judy are pretty smart here. They're, of course, smarter than the villains, where they realize now that the device is no longer in its location, they can use their gadgets again. So they're able to get to the device first. While they're doing this, Steve Buscemi, who has been scared of his creatures, his creations this whole time, he's cornered by all of them. And when they he thinks that they're going to kill him, they start kissing him. They love him, just like Junie told him. And again, this is kind of like similar to the first movie where Junie kind of touched Floop's heart and is able to convince him to change and things aren't as what he seems. And again, this is kind of the similar situation in this film. So the Cortez kids prepare to escape the island when their parents and grandparents arrive. And the, they reveal to their parents that they didn't really need their help after all. So they've got everything under control and their parents are kind of like, okay. And that's when the Giggles family arrives again. And once again, we have a bit of a showdown where they're not even going to like fight, which again, it's disappointing. They did this in the first film where you think you're going to get an epic fight moment between the Cortez family and the villains of the film. And you don't get that because the Giggles have the device and Mr. Giggles gives it to Guardian and is like, hey, program this to kill the whole Cortez family. And she programs it and gives it back to him. And he's preparing to destroy them all when it like shorts out and self-destructs. He looks at Gertie and she's like, she decided to do the right thing and not do what he wanted. <laughs> it's like what they build up in such an epic way in this film to what is again, like the first film, kind of a, a very kiddie watered down ending, which is disappointing. So Gertie yells at her dad. She's like, wait till mom finds out you tried to take over the world again. So apparently he's done this more than once. And it's interesting because Mr. Giggles was like a good guy in the first film, like the Cortez family rescued him. And now he's the bad guy. So you would think that his parent, that the court, Mr. and Mrs. Cortez would be aware of his past. Again, just ignoring that the president arrives because he can take trips like this out to the middle of nowhere with Taylor Momsen. He fires Mr. Giggles gives Antonio Banderas the director position, reinstates Junie, but Junie says, hey, I don't want this. I'm going to retire as a spy kid. The Cortez family flies off to, into the sunset, and that's how this movie ends. Now, comparing this between the first movie and the second movie, this definitely is a bit of a step down. The parents are two strong actors, so the fact that they're put in more of a supporting role position um, definitely is a little disappointing. I do like the addition of Emily Osment and the guy who plays Gary Giggles and Steve Buscemi too. But again, Steve Buscemi is kind of underutilized in this film, at least with Floop in the first film, because he kind of fit the same role. Floop was still more involved throughout the whole film, whereas Steve Buscemi, you don't meet till like halfway in. And once you meet him, he's kind of in and out. You don't get to see a lot of him. I just wish he was more of an active role in defeating the villain in the end. And once again, I can't really knock it down too much from the first film just because the ending is kind of lackluster and payoff like the first one is. Like, it's resolved, but not in as epic of an, a spy fashion as you're anticipating. It did make some unique differences from the first film with like the whole pirate explorer prehistoric vibes of the island and 
obviously having more spy kids, I think, adds something to it. Although we did have the clones in the first movie, which kind of, again, has a similar position to it. I do think it was a nice little addition. I think that the fact that these movies came out like a year apart, maybe they should have taken more time in the creative process to come up with a more unique idea for the plot line because they could have had the spy agency of kids and done things to not mimic the first movie as much as it did. So the critics gave this movie a 75%, which is relatively high. I did not expect it to be that high. The audience score is a 39%, which is way low. And I gave it a 5.5 out of 10. Like, even before I saw what Rotten Tomatoes had, I was kind of like, 5.5 seems good. I think I gave a 7.8 to the first film. And that is kind of a big step down. I mean, maybe the first film was more nostalgic. That's why I rated it so high. But I do think when comparing this to the first film and the film that comes after this, this might be the least creative, just the most lackluster one. Even though I think all three films in the trilogy are good. We're going to see when I do cover the third film that they made it 3D. They made it like a video game. Like they did a lot more. Like the third film probably takes the biggest step away from the original film. And the second film, you know, it's a decent follow up to the first film, but it could have done more than that gave us. Thanks for listening to another episode of Nate's Night at the Movie podcast, and I'll catch you next time.